Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45 minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cowboy meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 59 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. With me, Adam Candy. This week, we are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. So please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate that. Helps us climb those charts and more people can find this very podcast here, Adam. It is a holiday week as we head in here. So just you and I, Dustin, going probably gallivanting around the world with all of those uh, DraftKings uh, stock money that he made. So, uh, you know, it's uh, fine with us. Hey, look, every now and then people can uh, can take a breather here from the pot. I don't want to sell Dustin out. It's probably his news to share. Um, but I would keep a very close eye on that Nathan's hot dog contest this weekend. Uh, Dustin yeah. was maybe or maybe not the driving force behind that becoming legal because he wants to bet on himself. <laughs> he might be in training right now, guys. Listen, we're not going to we're going to spill the beans or anything, but we do appreciate you spending some time here with just me and Adam. And uh, it'll be a quickie for you this week. We'll touch on what's going on with DraftKings in Illinois. Of course, Colorado got a couple of new players as well. What happened? What ended up going down in Georgia? We'll talk about that. California makes the pod just about every single week, and then we'll end things with some controversy there for Penn's property that they have a majority stake in here pretty soon. But let's kick things off here with DraftKings and Illinois. And if you guys are well aware, you've been following this podcast, you know that we talked at at length about how when Illinois went live with mobile and online betting, that there was going to be a penalty box for DraftKings and FanDuel that dates back to their days in the daily fantasy industry. However, Adam, we were sitting here a couple of days ago. Something comes through the old something comes through the old Twitter machine, and we were like, huh, well, isn't that interesting? The Twitter machine via the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, you know, because of DraftKings going public recently, we've been getting any number of filings uh, coming out from DraftKings, including what was a 210 page prospectus on their uh, last sale of stock, which ended up being 46 million shares. And I, I must admit that I missed this little nugget uh, inside there, but DraftKings has a market access deal with Casino Queen in Illinois that was signed about two weeks ago. And that was always the way that it was going to have to go for DraftKings and FanDuel to be able to have a way into the Illinois market prior to the internet only licenses becoming available, right? We're talking about those licenses not becoming available for the better part of a year and a half after the first sportsbooks launched in Illinois. 
unless you're going to see uh, you know the, these twenty million dollar fees being paid or these companies finding a way in via a partnership. They weren't going to be able to go untethered, and there are only a handful of untethered licenses in Illinois as it is. So you see now DraftKings has this partnership. The question is, what does it ultimately mean? DraftKings didn't really comment on that. We don't know how quickly they're going to be able to get anything going. As of right now, remember, online sports betting in Illinois is legal and you do have bet rivers in the market and you do have in-person registration suspended for the time of the pandemic. So it becomes interesting. I, I will say that I asked someone behind the scenes who's connected to DraftKings a couple of weeks ago, like essentially if I had to place a bet on 18 months, are you going to wait that long? And, and this person said, when have you ever known DraftKings to wait when they didn't have to wait? Right. So yeah, that's sort of the, the market I think that we're looking at now, not only with Illinois, but in terms of the U.S. expansion in general. That's why they raised more than six hundred million dollars out of this stock sale so that they can be competitive with Flutter, which is FanDuel and Foxbet in expanding across the U.S. as sports get restarted and football season arrives. Well, I'm, I'm glad you bring up FanDuel here because that was kind of my follow-up question here is, okay, well, if DraftKings is going to be in Illinois, we've talked about DraftKings and FanDuel kind of basically going in tandem here in every market. What do we, have we heard anything about FanDuel or at least the speculation is going to be that they'll be there, I assume? There is speculation. Uh, I, I will say that one of our reporters has uh, someone talking to him that, that thinks that it could be sooner than later. Um, but, you know, that's all speculation at this point. I, you know, I, I will always give credit where it's due. I know one of our one of our competitors has been following the story pretty closely with FanDuel for a while. So there's been some suggestion that it could be through one of the racetracks in Illinois. So, you know, if DraftKings is really in, I don't see how FanDuel can seed that market. It, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever for them not to try to get in as quickly as possible. And, you know, to some degree, there's precedent. Again, apples to oranges in some ways, but in New Jersey, we saw what happened. DraftKings got a head start of about a month in terms of online sports betting on FanDuel. That allowed DraftKings to control about the first six months of the market, and then FanDuel was able to you know, come up uh, from that number two spot and take control of the New Jersey market and keep it. So uh, the market has played out differently nationwide since that time. You're under different circumstances, but yeah, I can't imagine where FanDuel wants to let DraftKings get that big a head start. If we look at Illinois just in general here, I know that MGM owns a casino there in the state. We've yet to talk about BetMGM there within the state. So what do we see from kind of like, okay, we're, we're speculating we'll see FanDuel. Who, who else are we going to be looking at there in Illinois? Yeah, no, Matt, when we talk about Illinois, we probably will see most of the major players from across the country that we've seen in other places. Uh, we know Bet Rivers has a huge presence. They're the first ones in for online sports betting. That was to the surprise of no one, considering the amount of influence they had in the process when that bill was being crafted last year. We just talked about DraftKings. We just talked about FanDuel. I know there's interest from you know the other major players like points bet and Fox bet. And, you know, we can start talking about all of the European operators as well. But, you know, Illinois has been one of those states that's been hanging out there for quite a long time as a holy grail for these companies. So, yeah, I, I would expect that you can you can see all of those players getting in in some way, shape or form. The question will be how accelerated is it? And the question is, how long is this suspension of the in-person registration requirement going to last? Because in the end, that is the biggest impediment uh, for most of these places for considering getting started, 
right? And when you talk to DraftKings about the idea of Nevada, they discuss the in-person signup as uh, essentially a non-starter here. So when you look at elsewhere, it stands to reason that the same thing applies. No, absolutely. And, you know, no, no shocker. If you've been listening to this podcast, my favorite and most interesting market is Colorado. We are getting more news coming out of Colorado. If you guys are unfamiliar with how everything goes in Colorado, we have numerous articles over on LSR about all the things that are going on there. But uh, one of the reasons we're so excited is because it's going to have so many players involved and things are going to really shake out pretty interesting there because it's going to be a mix of established players from the East Coast and established players now from Vegas and even some coming in from the um, from overseas as well, Adam. And we are seeing a couple of those uh, announcements coming out of Colorado this week. Yeah, Colorado via Sweden. I don't know how our podcast listenership is in Sweden. I will defer to you on that one. But Swedish operator <clears throat> bets on getting into the market here in the U.S., in Colorado. Uh, and then just today, we saw Circus Sports, one of the upstarts in Las Vegas in terms of sports betting, launching their app in Colorado, getting up into double digits now in terms of what's available for mobile sports betting apps in Colorado. Uh, you know, you just mentioned BetMGM, one of the first in, uh, in Colorado. This market, because of the low barriers to entry, right, because of the low fees, because of the statewide mobile registration and funding, because of you know a young population base in Denver that can be you know attacked in terms of marketing, uh, you know very readily. I think you see that Colorado is playing out exactly as we thought it would, even in the absence of sports. Right, we've seen many of these operators essentially throwing their hats in the ring for this fall and. Banking on the NFL happening um, again. What, what other choice do they have if they've made the plans to ramp up in 2020 and the NFL says it's going forward? You can't be the one to be left out if the NFL ultimately does go forward. I mean, that that opportunity for customer acquisition will only come once. So you have to place that wager and hope for the best. No, I, absolutely. And one of the other things uh, that with the launch of Circa here and the reason we talk about how interesting this market is going to play out. You know, we do expect the DraftKings and FanDuel's and points bets of the world. And even to a lesser extent, kind of what we've seen with BetMGM and some of these guys come in and splash around, throw around a ton of money and try to acquire customers through bonuses and things that way. Now we don't expect, no, we, we, we don't know because we haven't seen Circa launch in a new market yet. So we are, we are again, just kind of speculating here, but uh, we don't expect that to be the case with Circa, but you know, they have come out and said, listen, we want to be the best value for the better in Colorado. We want to offer the smallest hold. We want to try to offer the most competitive lines and acquire customers that way. And so this is one of the very interesting things about this, this market, Adam. And I, you know, we'll, we'll know more a year from now, as you mentioned, cause I mean, really we'll have to get through football season and, and maybe even March madness to see how this all plays out. But um, we will certainly be keeping a very, very close eye on, on Colorado. Of course, Colorado has the opportunity to become this great test case that we talked about, but the, the variables that are involved here, I think, require us to go after it with caution, right? We talked about the first year of New Jersey sports betting, and every month we would say, look, it's one month in a new market that we don't know anything about. Well, when we restart, it's going to be one month in a market that we still don't know that much about. And I'm not talking about Colorado. I'm talking about the United States during a pandemic. I'm talking about, you know, 
half of Americans being unemployed and us being back into, I guess, the resurgence of the first wave of COVID infections and places closing down. We don't know what disposable income is going to look like. We don't know how consistent the sports season is going to be. We don't know how people will bet on football when there are so many other sports going on at the same time, right? You're going to be looking at all four major sports operating in the same window here. So there are so many variables that I don't think are necessarily going to tell you what the long-term success of any operator in Colorado or the Colorado market is going to be, but at least we'll begin to get some sense of, you know, if Colorado is a model that will be copied elsewhere. California, we talked about the big news over there that, uh, you know, kind of out of nowhere, we saw some momentum for sports betting over in California. Now that momentum certainly did start to to wane. However, we we will be seeing something come out of Colorado again, uh, some more news that we'll at least be able to update people on as the tribes are heading to court. So this is a continuation, Matt, of a filing that the, the uh, tribes who are trying to qualify their own sports betting initiative for the ballot started a while ago. I mean, really, you can trace this back into the early part of the year. What's going to happen this week is the tribes are going to court for an extension on their time to gather signatures to qualify this for the ballot. They had, by their own measure, close to a million signatures gathered by the time the coronavirus pandemic shut everything down and inhibited their ability to go out and get more signatures. They only need around a million, but anyone who's ever done this petition gathering process knows that you're going to have to probably safely get at least another 40 to 50% above the threshold in terms of signatures, because for everyone who goes and signs their legitimate name to one of these petitions, you have someone using one of the many names that Bart Simpson would use to call Mo at the bar. So you have to find all the legitimate signatures in amongst the others. So the tribes are trying to get an extension on the t- on the deadline to gather signatures. Now, what's interesting about that is that in their most recent filing, they pointed toward 2022. They essentially said that they were trying to protect their right to qualify this for 2022 because it might be too late for 2020. 2020 is a long shot uh, at this point. So as we talked about last week, the bill is dead in California. Uh, Too much political pressure applied from the tribes and their allies, and they were able to block the progress of that bill before it got to the Senate floor. Now they're trying to still push forward with their own initiative, and we'll find out more about that in court this week. And with so much unknown over there in California as to who will have access and how you get access and different things like that, you have to think behind the scenes, the guys here in Vegas are are probably breathing a sigh of relief. I mean, not that they were ever probably sweating it too heavily that anything was going to go on over there, but you and I both know feeder markets just galore there in San Diego, LA, San Francisco, coming into Vegas, especially, um, you know, uh, around NFL season, you, there's guys who make, you know, a little different when we're talking California into Vegas, than we're talking about these other events where people are coming from all over the country, Super Bowl, they're going to be here no matter what, they're going to be here no matter what for March Madness. Um, But, you know, we, you and I spend a lot of time in, in casinos on Sundays and, you know, these are people who are driving up from California on the regular, right? I mean, they they want to be able to bet their teams, sit down, watch some games, and then they head back. It's not that bad of a drive. And so uh, imagine the guys here in Vegas are breathing a little Matt, bit. Matt, when this came down last week, I was doing a local radio hit here in Las Vegas, and we were discussing what topics we were going to cover. And the number one topic, I just sent them Vegas sports books rejoice uh, as the California news came down. Because you know you you're involved in the industry on any given weekend. 
between 20 and 25% of who's filling up Las Vegas hotel rooms has come from Southern California. So take that and take what you just talked about with folks liking to come up on a Saturday or Sunday and enjoy their weekend of betting on football and then add in eight weekends of the Las Vegas Raiders and a season ticket base that is uh, roughly 35% from California for the Raiders. Think about how many more rabid football fans are going to be coming up here to want to watch the Raiders and bet on football. So if you're in Vegas and you were thinking that 2020 was a possibility for mobile sports betting, and it would have been toward the very tail end of 2020, if at all possible, more likely 2021, but in general going forward, this was something that had to give you a little bit of pause uh, if you're someone behind the book for a Las Vegas uh, odds maker. We talked about George the last couple of weeks here. Something popped up over there kind of out of nowhere. We were like, okay, all right, Georgia wants to get in the mix a little bit. We also a, a brief little background here. If you're not familiar, Georgia, no casinos in Georgia. So it would have to follow more of the Tennessee model where there's also no casinos where everything would be all digital. Uh, Adam, they it almost looked as if they were kind of trying to just mirror what was going on up there in Tennessee, but it does not look like that's going to happen. Tennessee actually was the model for Georgia. One of the sponsors of the Senate bill said that, that they knew that they had to look at someplace that didn't have casinos to try to put it together. The short version of the story, it's over in Georgia. Uh, it was always, shall we say, coming back from 28 to three kind of odds for Georgia to pass a sports betting bill this year. But the session ended with nothing getting through uh, our Matt Waters talk to one of the sponsors of the bill over on the House side, Representative Ron Stevens, who said, quote, I gave it a Hail Mary, but it didn't get across the line. And what I thought was interesting was Stevens, who is a Republican, blamed it on Democrats in the legislature and essentially said this sports betting issue is so good and such a winner and has such public backing that they're holding it to try to run it for their own candidate, right? They essentially want to be able to put their own stamp and their own signature and say, we're the ones who brought sports betting to Georgia. I think that's potentially uh, uh, maybe an overstatement of what the value of sports betting is to any budget anywhere in the country. But uh, playing politics with sports betting is certainly a new wrinkle to some, anything that we've talked about in terms of partisan angle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess, though, whenever you do look at Georgia, where you know, Alabama obviously does not have gambling. South Carolina doesn't have gambling. There's no gambling in Tennessee either when it comes to uh, when it comes to casinos and stuff. So all of those kind of bordering states uh, there don't have anything. And so maybe who knows, right? I mean, maybe if you're the maybe you can be sports betting guy or something like that there in Georgia. I mean, obviously, we know it's a rapid fan base with University of Georgia being there, Georgia Tech right there in Atlanta. And then, of course, the having you know the, the the football team and the basketball team and the baseball team there as well so uh who knows maybe we'll see a uh maybe we'll see a sports betting candidate run on that platform maybe that's where dustin is maybe he's off filing to run in georgia on a sports betting platform there it is i like it i think, <laughs> think that would be a great idea for him the next evolution of dustin gauker yeah matt the one thing you mentioned there that uh, you know that obviously Alabama and South Carolina uh, do not have is pro sports teams. You just uh, kind of alluded to there, alluded to it there at the end. Uh, the Atlanta teams formed a coalition to lobby at the legislature, and they've been huge proponents of having sports betting. They even attach the word integrity uh, to their coalition. So I do not think this push is going away for Atlanta and the rest of the state of Georgia anytime soon. 
And to close things out here on this uh, holiday edition of the LSR pod, let's talk a little bit about Penn National. And, you know, this was a story that we were spent a lot of time on, Adam. I mean, when this first came out, when they were going to invest in Barstool Sports, and then when it came out that they were going to launch their brand as Barstool Sportsbook, that that was going to be how they were going to approach the market. And, you know, no matter no matter what you think of Barstool, we at least conceded that it was a reach play. There was a lot of partnerships that had already been snatched up. One of the few that were kind of left out there where maybe you could hit a target demographic would be kind of in that barstool realm. And since then, you know, uh, there, if you're a barstool, if you're a barstool follower, you, you, you know, Portnoy over there and kind of his antics and things that have, have gone on and throughout the course of uh, the, the, the lockdown here, he has been basically kind of, I'm not going to say mocking day trading, but kind of like going in and, and, and doing some crazy stuff within the stock market as well and all this. And, you know, guys all over the place, Adam. And, and one of the things here that we're kind of starting to follow is people are now calling on Penn national to maybe, I don't know. I mean, are they, are they calling for at least them to try and rein him in a little bit? Are they trying to put pressure on uh, Penn to, you know, make, make Portnoy come out and at least apologize for some of these things he's done in the past and even some of the stuff he, he is continuing to kind of double down on now. But it seems like Penn is at least feeling a little bit of heat here, and I've started to see them attached much more to the Barstool brand than we have, uh, you know, even since the uh, them buying in was even announced. This is reaching more of a critical mass, Matt. Uh, if you just keep an eye on on social and on the conversations that we have within the industry and the conversation isn't why isn't Penn doing something about Barstool? It's more. Are they OK with this? Like, are, are they OK with the way that this has ramped up and it's not just the stuff you talked about, about the day trading. I mean, now we're starting to see more scrutiny, not that there hadn't been scrutiny on Barstool in the past, but more scrutiny on their racist and xenophobic and homophobic and misogynistic statements and content, not unique to them in terms of the scrutiny, right? We, we have obviously, you know, tried to, uh, tried to attach more cultural sensitivity to, uh, you know, to the way things have been done here over the past couple of months in America, which is certainly for the better. And when it comes to Barstool, I mean, that's that's in many ways the brand, right? They talk about how, you know, they're they're telling it like it is. And, and that includes a lot of raunchy and edgy sorts of things. And honestly, raunchy and edgy are the nicer words that I can apply to this. So I'll tell you, I mean, we at Legal Sports Report put the question to Penn National earlier this week and said, you know, let's take a look at the things that Portnoy just talked about with Colin Kaepernick, where he said he didn't know Colin Kaepernick was black. He thought he was, quote, an ISIS guy. Um, and it went on from there. And we essentially said, what's your response to this? You know, and, and you know, is Penn aligned with Barstool? And uh, we didn't get a response initially, uh, followed up and asked the question a second time. And we're told by a spokesperson to refer to the statements being made by the Barstool principles. Okay. So if those, that's what we're being asked to do, then let me just give you a sampling of what's been said by the Barstool principles. Um, this is Portnoy on what he called an emergency press conference on his Twitter this past week. Um, 
Sensitivities change, cultures change. When you've been doing it as long as we have, things effing change. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to bend the knee. Uh, and it goes on from there. Frankly, I don't need to give it any more daylight than it's had. Uh, if you don't want to hear it from Portnoy, then go to Eric Nardini, the CEO, who posted a long Twitter thread uh, about how she feels. And she said that change doesn't come from cancellation and it will never come from everyone having effing consensus all the time. It comes from difficult times and strong people who see new opportunities and take risks. Matt, you wouldn't expect Barstool to do anything but double down because essentially once you've painted yourself into the corner of the brand that they are, you're never going to make people who are your critics all that happy. And you're probably going to alienate this core fan base that seems to have accepted these, I'm going to use these words again, raunchy and edgy messages that you've put out there. So from Penn's side of this, obviously these are smart people, career gaming executives who considered their scenarios when they chose to get into business with Barstool. What do you think, Matt? Because I think this has to be pretty close to a worst case scenario for them in terms of how this could have played out so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we talked about it from the get-go that we thought it was very interesting in the first place that you would tie your brand to something that had a potential to explode the way that we thought that this possibly could explode, you know? And the fact, I guess, that we are looking at a, at a guy that, is the face of, I mean, look, there's no other way to put it. I mean, he's the face of, of that brand. He is the face of the organization. And I imagine whenever they launch nationwide here with Barstool Sportsbook, I mean, can you see a scenario, I guess, where he wouldn't be the face of that brand as well? Because that's the, that's the one thing that I can't like really wrap my brain around here is, is there a way to use the Barstool name and not have him be your, your spokesperson, because I mean, he's the spokesperson for nearly everything that they do. And so I don't see a way, I guess, for me, for them to, to get away. I don't know how, how would Penn separate themselves essentially from Portnoy, even if they wanted to is, is, is where I'm at. With I this. agree. Uh, I would think that if behind the scenes pressure isn't going to be applied, that you would at least mildly put some pressure on in public, but uh, punting the way that Penn did to me is a cop out. And they, they copped out by yeah. not at least saying this does not reflect our values, because I don't think you're if you say that, you know, the kind of statements that have been put out there are not a reflection of your company. You're not divorcing yourself from Barstool. You're not telling Barstool to go screw off. You're basically saying, yeah, it's our business partner and we don't necessarily agree with everything that they do. And if you want to generalize this, I'm sure most business partners don't agree with everything in the corporate culture of an opposite business partner. However, these are things and statements and an ethos that deserves an answer at this point, uh, deserves an answer from investors. And, and I guess investors will have to make their own decision, you know, with their money as to as to how they want to go with this. To your question, can you get away from Portnoy as the face? No, not at all. I, I don't think you have you're right. Not, I mean, you, know, you can't, right? No, I mean, I just don't see choice. any way. Right. I'll yeah. use a practical example. It was only a couple of years ago when Big Cat and PFT Commenter, who are in general, although Big Cat's gotten himself into some hot water lately, they're in general softer voices than Portnoy. They got one edition of their episode of Van Talk on ESPN before it got canceled. So even the ones who aren't as over the top are meeting the same widespread 
I don't want to say scorn, but at least scrutiny. So I don't see any way away from yeah. it. It's uh, it's an interesting scenario. I thought this from the get go. And I think we're kind of seeing this play out now um, where you get into partnership and in, you know, technically we know how this deal with Penn works out. They're going to eventually be able to, to buy out the majority and, and then own the company outright if they want to, where the employee though kind of has all the power, right? I mean, like if you're Penn, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could behind the scenes tell him to calm down or tell him that, hey, this isn't how we want to be viewed within this marketplace. But what's he going to do, Adam? We know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go straight to Twitter and say, like, guess what? Corporate's telling me whatever. Well, I, there's no way I'm doing that. So it's basically I think almost Penn got them into a situation, got themselves into a situation where they can't win because you're 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 basically even if you do try to tell your your employee, which I guess, you know, at, at some point they're going to they're going to own the majority of the company. He's, he's going to be an employee to calm down. And you had to know when you signed the papers that he's not going to do that. Matt, if you are dating a woman or a man and you're thinking about getting married and then you get married and then you say to them, Hey, here are the things I need for you to change. They're going to say, Whoa, whoa, you know what you signed up for. And it's the same sort of thing. Like right. you got yourself into this relationship yeah. And I guess maybe there are those of us out there who thought there could be some sort of a tipping point at which you would at least express some level of caution. But if you're buying all in, then you're buying all in. Just know that it's going to be pretty hard to know where the bar stool line ends and the pen line begins if this is the way you're choosing to approach it. When the uh, when the big marketing push comes and we know that it will, it will be interesting to see. Um, will it be? Will it be David Portnoy who is on all the ads and, and doing all the stuff like that? We will certainly find out. But again, I, I, I'm like you. I don't see a way that they get away from that. Guys, we are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. We do appreciate you guys going in, subscribe rating, and reviewing, sharing with your friends as well in the industry uh, that might want to sit here and get a quick little rundown each week of all the biggest stories going on in this gambling industry and of course follow adam on the twitter machine at adam candy that is two e's no y you can follow the main site at lsp report on twitter as well enjoy your fourth of july weekend for adam i am matt talk to you guys next week The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.